And welcome to Cursed Objects, a podcast about cultural history, politics, and tat. Um, this is a Patreon episode for you lovely patrons out there. Um, my name is Dan Hancocks. I'm a journalist, author, and searcher for a series of small walls. Uh, and as a verb, which I... I'm gonna unpack, gonna unpack that in a minute. Uh, and as ever, I am I am joined by my co-host. Hi everyone, Dr. Cash T, university lecturer and uh, treasure hunter. Yeah, yeah, you <laughs> so are. Rubbish. That's not rubbish. We're going to be talking a lot about treasure today. Treasure is a very important part of this episode. It's central to this episode. It is a word that comes up time and time again. The series of small walls, I wonder if, you, I'm assuming this is another moment where I just reference something that's like from 1994, when, uh, like, before Cash's time, really. That's an Eddie, I think it's from an Eddie Izzard routine, where he's talking about Time Team, and he's sort of lamenting that he loves the TV show Time Team, but that they never really find anything truly exciting so they'll kind of they'll like tony robinson or the rest of the you know is there there are other presenters i think will get super excited about a um a bit of a, a dig it's an archaeology show if you're not familiar with, with the history of time team um but all that they ever really find is a series of small walls and if you visit archaeological sites with the exception of pompeii that is often the case. It is often just a series of small walls. Mm. And that phrase has stuck in my head since, like, I was 13 or something. I mean, I just do feel like those shows, those shows were, like, I don't know, they encapsulated a particular mundanity, didn't they, of life? Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like, I, I always remember it coming on Channel 4 and otherwise, like, stellar roster of TV programmes on Channel 4 and then mm-hmm. Time Team would just be on and me being like, I really want to like this, but it's just not very good. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! And you're you're supposed to be making the case for the defence of Time Team today as well. I mean, not really, but um, today, listeners, we are going to be talking about two different TV programs. Um, regular listeners to our Patreon will know that uh, we had a really fun conversation about Pompeii um, a little while back, um, and the sort of relationship we have with with ancient history as a, particularly as like modern cultural historians um but it's also it also sort of links back to the only other sort of tv related episode we did before on the antiques roadshow and sort of the way that history is presented to a mass audience via tv and we're doing it in a sort of yin and yang way i'm a passionate sort of advocate for the detectorists which we're going to be talking about and Kasha has at least watched some of Time Team, which I haven't, really. Um, and we want, kind of want to compare notes, talk a little bit about archaeology versus metal detecting as a very specific and quite distinct pursuit, but one that obviously overlaps massively in terms of bringing, uh, literally bringing material history 
to the surface. Like that is a literal description of what archaeology is, isn't mm. it? Mm. Uh, and 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 the sort of the different things that are turfed up by you know formal, often academic sort of uh, quite forensic and scientific archaeology versus the hobby craft, which is essentially what metal detecting is. But Cash, you've mm. seen the detectorists as well, right? You're you're a fan. Of yeah, I'm a big fan. In a way, that's like it's also kind of encapsulates a particular mundanity, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Oh my God, they're both about encapsulating a particular mundanity. I mean, is that not also? a possible, plausible, alternative tagline for our podcast. Like, <laughs> cursed objects where we encapsulate a particular mentality. Uh, I, ta- we're... Like, I, I love that about it, though. Like, I love talking yeah. about things of the everyday. And, like, yeah. I don't know, like, maybe it's because I'm quite hungover and I've just been watching a lot of Poirot today that, like, <laughs> I just feel like the everyday mundanity that, like, gets you through... <laughs> times like this when yeah. you're really hungover I just I think there's a special place in my heart for them yeah you don't want razzle dazzle glitter you know no. glowing kind of orbs and sort of uh but, but yeah <laughs> there's something orbs. yeah I don't know where I got that from sorry I guess I just think I'm picturing your your sort of sometime uh hangover <laughs> mode of like watching science fiction and stuff or reading science yeah. fiction but yeah there's some there's something appealing about the everyday to us as, you know, I mean, that this is, you know, I'm, I'm joking, but like also this is what the podcast is about, is about sort of everyday objects. You know, we don't, we don't tend to select uh, the crown jewels, for example. I don't think we'd be very interested in that, would we? I mean, they're cursed. Yeah, I mean, they're cursed, sure. but they're cursed for a whole different range of reasons, right? <laughs> yeah. Like... It's much more interesting <laughs> to get, you know, a jar of Vegemite and talk about the history, uh, the relationship between Australia and Britain. I don't, know, I don't know why I'm Damn, brainstorming. I, yeah, yeah, brainstorming ideas for future <laughs> podcasts while, while we're supposed to be recording a podcast. But it was ever thus. So, um, Detectorist is a BBC series with Mackenzie Crook, who uh, was Gareth in the office, and he used to live next door to my cousin. What? He seems like such a lovely guy, and I think yeah, the way I think he was. The way I discovered this program, so it's written by, directed by, and starring Mackenzie Crook, it is very much his project. I mean, like, uh, usually though, usually though, that's like a bad sign. It's very like Steven <laughs> Seagal, isn't it? Like Steven Seagal, like, wrote, wrote directed, and acted oh, in all of his movies. I didn't know that he wrote his movies. That's incredible. I mean, that I does... didn't know Steven Seagal could write, to be honest. but. <laughs> Wow, a lot of a lot of anti Seagal feeling coming through in this episode. I know, sorry, um, sorry. No, no, After no, he released cool. such a great like, um, I want to say, was it like a reggae tune? Re- yes, okay. yes, he did release a reggae tune. That's really well remembered. <laughs> what bit of my Weird. memory that yeah. was lurking in? But you're absolutely right. Um, as far as you know, Mackenzie <laughs> Crook has not released a reggae song as yet. Um, that's not really his vibe. Um, he he's written a show that is essentially. It's a show about um, male friendship. It's about hobbies. Um, it's about the nerdier end of hobbies. It's about, but it's also about sort of the peace and quiet and tranquility to be found within these sort of uh, more esoteric pursuits like metal detecting. You know, in a way, it could have been about stamp collecting. I think that would have been visually a lot less exciting. But like, you know, the, it's it's quite a, it's quite it's very male coded. And actually, there was a brilliant interview with. Mackenzie Crook, which is, I think, how I discovered the show to begin with, um, where he was talking about the fact that when he was a young, younger man, maybe an adolescent, he'd sort of look at his dad and his dad's friends uh, with their sort of, you know, classically old man hobbies, 
whatever those mm. might be, you know, like doing an airfix version of a of a an old a plane or like, you know, a very good friend of mine uh, has got into building very precise, very detailed models of wooden boats. As and he's he literally said to me, "This is the best thing I've ever done for my mental health is getting like an old man hobby." But yeah, uh, those sorts of <laughs> what what Mackenzie Crook was saying. I know I buy it though. It's so mindful, right? Um, and yeah. what, Mackenzie Crook says in that in this interview with the Guardian was was that like he he used to sort of look with disdain upon those sorts of hobbies, you know, like model railways or yeah, or indeed metal detecting, which is the subject here. Until he got a bit older and he realised these are actually incredibly sweet and quite serene pursuits that harm nobody and bring a great deal of joy and also as is portrayed in the tv show like a great deal of community like you've got these the stars of Mackenzie Crook and, and Toby Jones amazing actor obviously um who you know have very mundane jobs in fact they have minimum wage jobs ones that would be you know traditionally described as like unskilled working class jobs like you know I think Toby Jones's character packs vegetables and Mackenzie Crook ends up sort of spraying weeds by the side of the road and stuff for the council. Um, and, but what brings their life meaning and joy is this is this very community-driven pursuit of being part of Danebury Metal Detecting Club and going out with usually the two of them in, pair, in a pair talking about what happened on last night's university challenge and using their metal detectors to try and find treasure, Right. Mm. Um, so I they, mean, it's, they... it's like it is community but it's also like I think quite a solitary endeavour right and it's that contrast between the two things that it's something mm. that you do on your own but you do on your own yeah. with a group of people yeah and it's very you know it's it's extremely like the word every reviewer has used about Detectorists the TV show is it's gentle like it is the most gentle comedy it is beautifully so and that is not just a that's not like a euphemism for saying it's not it's not actually that funny <laughs> but it is it's it's like it's, it is a sincere description of a of a of a quite beautiful TV show with amazing cinematography of like you know these rolling hills in Essex is where it's sent, set I think and they are searching I think there's some of the stuff I want to talk about today is like the idea that they are interested in the objects of the everyday so they'll find really banal stuff. Often, like bottle caps. <laughs> often bottle caps, buttons, uh, ring pulls from like a 1980s can of Tizer or something. <laughs> and what they're hunting for is like a Saxon burial ground in one series or a medieval battle site in another series. Mm. Or like uh, they look for a World War, a Nazi plane that allegedly had crashed near uh, nearby and had treasure on it, like a secret Nazi plane that had loads of gold on it, as if that for some reason would be flying over Essex during World War II. But um, <laughs> um, so they're hunting for these sort of like amulets and ace stalls and, and, and sort of, you know, ph- objects of phenomenal kind of value and beauty. Uh, and gold, ultimately. It's a re- running joke in the series that, like, if some ramblers are walking past the field that they're in, they'll always be like, ooh, metal detecting. Have you found any gold? And they're like, no, we haven't found any fucking gold. You know, it's not about the gold, but but it sort of is about the gold as well. There's this division between sort of objects of great beauty and historical significance and the fact that most of what they find are extremely everyday objects, but then hmm, maybe there's beauty to be found in those as well. Yeah, my um, my my brother-in-law was he got he got really into metal detecting at one stage, and it's just like it seems like something that as you get older is more appealing, but at the same time, I think there is something 
really romantic about the idea that yes. like you could find anything mm. just like you could find like you could be on the precipice of like a massive discovery just Absolutely. by looking for it you know there is something I think quite like wondrous I guess about 100%. that it's so romantic it's so romantic yeah. like and and it's and it's something that makes this tv show incredibly stirring and moving um in its own way like along with this beautiful cinematography that you know really makes you want to go to rural Essex something that was not particularly high on my list before to be quite honest as a a city boy who lives in cities and you know goes goes on holiday to other cities normally I'm not I'm not someone any any kind of a relationship with like rural like England or other or rural anywhere um but it it's a, a beautiful sales pitch almost for like the wonder to be found um, in sort of rural parts of, it, of of England, but that these aren't dead spaces, or they're not they're not untouched by human activity at all. Far, far from it. And that's where the romance really comes in, right? So, uh, on that note, I'm just going to read you a little couple of sentences from something that Mackenzie Crook wrote in a uh, as an introduction to a book called Landscapes of Detectorists, which again speaks to like so it's basically like a photo book of like this beautiful terrain these rolling hills Aww. and fields. Um, and Mackenzie Crook is so invested. You know, he's he's like an... He has done a bit of amateur metal detecting. I mean, it's kind of all amateur, but he's done a bit of it himself. Like, it's not like a lifelong passion of his. But he, he wrote the following. He's clearly committed enough, basically, outside of the TV show to have written this introduction. He, he wrote, I was detecting on my own, and I dug down four inches to find an exquisite bronze hawking whistle. I took a few minutes to unclog the mud with a piece of straw and then held it to my lips and blew. The note that issued from the whistle was a ghost, a sound unheard for centuries, and the last person to hear that sound, that exact sound, was the person who dropped it just yards from where I was standing. And it wasn't a faint, feeble ghost either. It was an urgent, piercing shrill that echoed across the field and back through time. Hi everybody, it's Dan here. Um, thanks for listening this far. Um, this is just a note to say that if you'd like to hear the rest of this episode about detectorists and time team, about uh, the difference between archaeology and metal detecting, about what happens when institutions, cultural institutions, uh, universities and uh, you know the grown-ups get involved in what is often just a great hobby for people and a way of engaging with uh everyday material history then please join our patreon uh, which is at patreon.com slash cursed objects or one word or you can just google it uh, for just four pounds a month you'll be helping me and kasha to continue making this podcast which you know we have to do in our spare time <laughs> squeezed into our evenings and weekends hung over sunday afternoons in this particular case um, and in exchange for that four quid, uh, apart from um, our eternal love and gratitude, you'll also get an increasingly uh, large back catalogue of um, episodes about everything from Toblerone and how incredibly cursed airports are as um, as spaces, but also the revival of psychedelia and all of the magic mushroom merchandise that you seem to be able to buy in extremely mainstream high street shops um, at the moment and about the kind of cursed nature of our drug laws. Uh, there are episodes on the revolutionary potential of the antique roadshow, um, on erotic calendars from Pompeii, and on uh, the 
strange cursed existence of the Guns N' Roses baby grow that you can buy from H&M. Uh, why no one would want that, we're not sure. But you can listen to us talking about it for an hour if you join our Patreon. If you are not able to join our Patreon, then we love you still. Uh, please do leave us a review or tell a mate um, that you enjoyed the podcast. Thanks so much.